Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Brian Stone and I'm the Associate Editor at Bank Automation News. Joining me today is Benny Pennington, Vice President of Embedded Banking and Integrated Payments Products at KeyBank. Benny discusses how embedded banking can assist with preventing fraud from both the consumer and business perspectives, how governmental regulation may affect open banking, and what areas of fraud are growing within the financial services industry. Fraud is a rampant problem in banking for both consumers and businesses. Um, it rears its head in a couple different ways. First, there's the common credit card fraud that happens when a consumer gets their debit card or credit card credentials stolen or skimmed, um, you know, or they're copied somewhere. And then someone else that is not that authorized user wants to go take those and make a payment somewhere else to uh, to to buy some goods. There's ways to prevent that by, of course, keeping your card secure, but making sure any place that you are um, using your card or, you know, spending or, you know, making a payment, making sure that it's in a uh, on a secure website. For example, you can always see the lock icon at the top left of the screen. Most of the time that'll insulate you or making sure if you go inside a business and you're giving them your card information that they're not writing it down on a sheet of paper or typing it into a spreadsheet. That is some kind of secure software um, that is being housed in and that software is encrypted. The um, there's a few other types of fraud as well. There's, you know, for businesses, this is more common with phishing scams um, and account takeover. So this is, you know, someone at a business um, gets an email that says, hey, this is urgent. You know, this is your boss. Send me um, the the routing and account number urgently because I needed to make a payment or I needed to fund something. And, you know, the, the, the scammer might, uh, you know, use words that increase urgency or try to, you know, emulate someone else. And then someone unknowingly gives over some secure payment credentials to, you know, um, an unknown third party or an untrusted source. Then there's also the um, the phishing scams where someone can get an email that says, you know, hey, click here for, you know, uh, to open this important attachment. And it's really, you know, uh, it's really a virus or something that's then going to try to um, skim information on their computer, you know, try to read a password or something that's going to get them access to, to, to some other system. So the, the ways to, pre- to prevent all of that are with a lot of vigilance um, and, you know, a lot of businesses and consumers now are having to go through, you know, basic trainings and, um you know, updates on what are the common scams are out there, what are the types of fraud are out there and how to prevent them. In banking, it's no different. It's important to keep your credentials secure. It's important to work with a bank that, you know, sends out notifications about different types of things that are prominent in the industry. Uh, KeyBank does that consistently when we notice there's a lot of prominent scams that are going on or things that are common or that might be compromising our clients, we send out as much proactive notification to our teams as possible about, you know, the types of messages we might send, um, what not to click on, when not to give your password out, things like that. Um, So the fraud is only going to continue or attempts at fraud are only going to continue, but there's things consumers and businesses can do along with their bank to prevent it as often as possible. Can you talk a little bit about how embedded banking can help businesses reduce the risk of fraud? Sure. So embedded banking to us is integrating payments via software along with treasury services. And the way that it reduces fraud is two ways. There's one on the consumer side. So, you know, um, a regular person like you or I, and we've got our credit card and debit card. And then there's also the side of the businesses that we shop at. 
So first on the side of the consumer and the cardholder, it's let's start off with uh, making sure your credentials are as secure as possible uh, in all the places that you store them. So um, things like digital wallets, like Apple Pay and Google Wallet, um, and the digital apps where you store your banking credentials, we work with all of those vendors to make sure they use the latest security, um, the latest encryption and tokenization methods, so that when you do load your card into those avenues and into those wallets, that most of the time it should your actual 16-digit card number should be replaced with a token, basically a dummy 16-digit card number. And then, then if something were to happen with your phone or even where you go to pay, you know, the card number that's given to them is a dummy card number and not your real card number. And that way, if something does happen at that point of sale, that it's not your real information that's being used, it's dummy information that really can't be frauded or, you know, no further damage can be done. So it's a way that we can make sure that the consumers are insulated as much as possible. On the business side, what embedded banking tries to do is then work directly with those businesses where all of us shop, your local hair salon, the local pizza place, uh, pizza place, the yoga studio, et cetera, to make sure they've got the most secure software and the most uh, modern technology to accept payments in a seamless and secure way. So we are working with those partners and uh, software companies to make sure that they've got integrated systems to process your card in with the software. This helps avoid things like people writing your card number down on a sheet of paper or typing it into a spreadsheet and then they have to copy it over into some other uh, software that orders the pizza, right? If we can embed the payment acceptance directly into the software that the pizza shop uses, then it reduces the chance of that transference of the card data from one system to another that can, uh, you know, in that process of making that seamless, we can help reduce fraud. The other thing that we're doing is enabling those software companies to connect directly to us in secure methods. So we've got a full API developer portal that software companies and businesses can use to connect to us that will allow them to process a payment, accept a payment, um, and use tokenization and encryption in each of those methods. Essentially what that means is, again, replacing your full card number with a 16-digit dummy number and make sure it's encrypted um, as it goes from the card machine to the, uh, you know, to the software itself, as it goes to Visa and back, making sure that it's encrypted every point of the process. So we try to provide that technology to the businesses so that they can keep their system secure and to the consumers so that even the numbers that they're giving out are encrypted and tokenized. So one other thing I wanted to ask about with embedded banking, I know you touched on it a little bit in your answer. Are there other additional ways it can help banks with client retention? We are a uh, we are a commercial bank, or we 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 have a great niche with serving commercial clients and business clients, and we think it's important that they have the tools that they need to be able to keep the customers that they have. And we think embedded banking really does that. One of the ways it does that is by making the software that they provide that the to enable payments as secure and seamless as possible. So we want to make it so that when you are going to the hair salon and you're scheduling your next appointment, um, and let's say you have to prepay an amount, that they say, well, hey, it's $25. You want us to go ahead and put that on the card on file? And we provided them a digital way to keep your card on file, encrypted and tokenized. And as soon as they hit that they a button that they want to charge that card again, that it can happen instantaneously and give them a new payment uh, update, and that it's a deeply embedded in their software so they can text you or email you right away. It making it a seamless experience. 
what that does for the business is make it so that you as the customer or the cardholder have a fun and digital and modern experience with them that you're much more likely to go back to that business than someone that has a clunky process or that doesn't can't keep your card on file or can't keep it securely. So giving them tools to digitally embed payment in the software that they use every day makes it more likely that they are going to keep repeat business coming back into their locations. So there is obviously legislation uh, being introduced from the government side of things as far as, you know, open banking, CFPB comes to mind. How do these sort of regulatory crackdowns impact banks and fintech mergers and acquisitions this year? from a bank and from a product perspective. And one, we do want to, we embrace regulation that speaks about making sure consumers and businesses have access to their information and that they can share that information with trusted sources in secure manners. Um, so a lot of the open banking initiatives are designed so that consumers can have their banking details shared with other software programs. You might have a budgeting app on your phone, or you might have an investment app or an investment website that you work with, and you want your data about your balance history and your transaction history to be able to be simply shared securely with those other platforms. And so the good news is in most of these cases, we're already working on technology to do that. And having regulation makes it simple for us to be able to do it in a uniform manner with a lot of other banks and a lot of other fintechs. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com.